prison. Nothing personal word of the day for June 2nd, 2021. It's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. There is no excuse that this is late into your download area that you've been on YouTube. I already recorded this show, damn it. And it was a really good one too. So we do it ever since the pandemic. We're on Zoom and Coca records it because he's producing, he's Googling stuff. He's whispering in my ear. He's yelling at my ear. He's writing down on our shared Google Doc stuff during the show. One job he's got to do is hit record. So I have the way the show works. It's me 45 minutes every day. Coke and I prepare at night. We prepare in the morning. We have an outline of topics. And then I just talk. Sometimes I tell stories. Sometimes things pop in my head. Sometimes I can't remember what the hell I was talking about. Either way, every show is unique in that way. It's not like if the recording gets lost or it gets screwed up that we can just recreate it by rereading the prompter. Look, Ma, no prompter. So I got to do it again. But this one's going to be better. Prison. Nothing personal word of the day. Do you know what happens in prison? You get food. Prison food is not bad, actually. You take the tray. It's like on the TV show MASH with Igor. You line up and you have a tray and you've got little compartments for vegetables. You have a little compartment for some sort of carbohydrate. You've got something that could be meat, could be chicken, could be pork. It could be the other white meat. You don't know what it is. It's called prison food. Some people like it. The reason why there's recidivism is sometimes people want to get back into prison because they like the food. They have nowhere else to get food. Sometimes you're in your elementary school and you get day-old tuna fish on those trays served by very nice people at extremely nice private schools. But still, the food is sort of crappy, right? Baseball is a little different. When you're a big leaguer, we feed you. And we feed you really, really well. You get to the clubhouse, let's just say that you get there around two. We've got food waiting. We may have some quesadillas. We may have some Chick-fil-A, some sandwiches, some salads. <laughs> Funny enough, it used to be that food in the Major League Clubhouse was only okay. And then the players got upset and they wanted better food. So the players negotiated in the last collective bargaining agreement or two collective bargaining agreements ago that they wanted a real chef. The chef that we used to have with the Marlins and Expos used to be the same guy who washed the jock straps. He'd wash the jock straps after a game, but during the game and before the game, he would be preparing food and eggs and French toast and bacon and all sorts of crap. And then players said, you know, I really would rather be healthier. So we're going to make a big issue of it and make teams hire real chefs. It used to be even worse on the road. I can't remember the name, Coke, of the clubby in, in New York at Shea Stadium in City Field. Such a great guy. He kept vodka in his fridge in his office. That was only for some of the players and staff, depending on the game. And uh, keep some. they keep beer in different places because sometimes you just need a beer. And in those cases, on the road, it's very often from restaurants. It's very often crappy food. It's pizza. Tony Carullo, that's his name, Coca. Way to go, Coca. You're back. Are we recording? Hello? Are we recording? Yes? Can we keep going? So Tony would bring in food, and the food at City Field was always bad. And then the rules changed. And then the road team actually got to pre-order all of their food for the whole series. So if you're going to Pittsburgh, 
you get a list of restaurants that will cater in and you choose with the GM, with the president, with the traveling secretary, with the manager, with some of your players, what kind of food you want, which particular night. You do Mexican food, you do sushi. During the course of a pregame festivities, you've got batting practice after BP, the players come in. There's more food waiting for them. There's like vegetables and quinoa, all sorts of good stuff. Do you know what the food is at the minor league level? Yeah, I don't either. Do you know how many executives know what the food is at the minor league level? None of them. Do you know what the food is? It stinks. But now it's getting attention because we're in this new era where all of a sudden minor league players don't get paid enough. They're working for the man and they want to be fed better. These are professional athletes and we've got to take care of them. A Twitter picture came out yesterday that made me laugh. I want you to picture this. Do you know what happens when you go to the grocery store, if you do your own grocery shopping and you buy a loaf of bread and you have to pack your own groceries at the end after you go to checkout and you don't really know how to pack it, so you put the bread in and then you put the orange juice on top of the bread, you put the eggs on top of the orange juice, you get home, you unpack, you look at the bread and it's all scrunched. And so like a regular piece of wheat bread has become where the crust has in infiltrated into the main part of the bread and you try to spread it out again, but it doesn't work. And now the bread's too small. And then you have these individual slices of Kraft American cheese. I think they're called um, Kraft Sniglets, which is a, uh, they're individually wrapped with this noise they make. It's, it's, it's like, when you open it and then you slap it on something and it's so gross because it, could, it puts the P in processed. And then you get lettuce and the lettuce is brown. It's not washed. One little leaf. Well, it turns out that the Oakland A's minor leaguers were being served one piece of crumpled bread, one piece of sliced Kraft American institutional cheese, a little stipple of brown lettuce. But sometimes they get tacos. The taco or the fajita had one piece of browned pink chicken, one onion, one red pepper. And I don't mean the onion like when you really fry onions and grill onions and they're really good. I'm talking about the type of onion where you get an onion and then you with your finger, you peel it. So it ends up being like an oval shaped and you try to get it straight by pressing the bread down, right, to make the sandwich. But then it doesn't, it becomes oval and then it falls out of the sandwich. You totally know what I'm talking about. And people went crazy. Adam Jones, one of the nice guys, one of the really good players, played for the Orioles for a long time, just a good, good player. He tweeted that it was an embarrassment what the Oakland A's players were getting fed. Everybody's up in arms. Do you know why I don't care what minor league players get fed? Because back in the day in the major leagues, before all this chef stuff, we used to go to spring training in Fort Lauderdale, where Inter-Miami now plays where the Orioles did spring training. And do you know what the post-game meal was for the players after spring training game? It was a Royale with cheese. You remember that. I know you do. I, I know you remember that, Uggs, where you'd have two quarter pounders and pound them and then head back to Jupiter. Come on. But the Oakland A's are getting absolutely lambasted. The president of their team had to go public about this situation. And he said something that was super funny. So he gave a quote talking about this, right? Apparently this, 
these pictures were from weeks ago, but they're just surfacing now. He said, that was totally unacceptable. When we found out several weeks ago, we terminated the third party vendor. Um, we'll get to that in a minute because that's not how it works. We apologize to our players, staff, and coaches. We will redouble our efforts to provide the best options for our team at every level. Here's another hint when you're doing a tweet or a statement. What exactly is redoubling your effort? Does that mean you had a single effort? It didn't work, so you're going to double your effort. And when you double your effort, you're expecting things will get better. And when that doesn't work, you don't quadruple your effort. You redouble your effort. So that means you're redoing twice the effort you used to do in order to do something that you're not doing well enough. Don't use the word redouble, please. And you terminated the third-party vendor? That's not how minor league food works, Dave. The way minor league food works is that we pay for the players at the major league level, tens of millions of dollars. We pay for the uniforms. You pay for the hotels, transportation, and clubhouse food. We don't do it. Now, when rehab players from the major league level go down like Jacob deGrom did, they're going to buy you a big spread from Ruth's Chris. <laughs> I'm saying that because that's what Adam Jones said. We're not expecting Ruth's Chris for the minor leaguers because that would be way too good, that chain. Cross that off as another sponsor of nothing personal. Yeah, Ruth's Chris puts the M in mediocre. So he said, we're going to redouble our efforts. I don't care. It's not on my radar. Because the number of prospects at the minor league level, and I've told you this before on Nothing Personal, there aren't many of them. I don't care what players are eating who are never going to become major leaguers. And if you are going to become a major leaguer, then you're taking care of yourself enough that you're not eating the crappy clubhouse food. And instead, you're going to go get your own Chipotle. Oh, but you got to pay him more. You got to pay him more. Really? I'm not sure that's the case. I'm not going to win that lawsuit. Everybody's up in arms about the prison food that minor league players are eating. Not me. Not me at all. You really wanted me to comment more on that. Do you know what's crazy, Coca? The show that you didn't record, I had five other thoughts about the fact that minor leaguers and what they eat is not the end of the world. And I can't remember even one of them. That's how organic this show is. Did you watch the game last night? Did you watch the Celtics game? Celtics lost four to one to the Nets, the presumptive prohibitive favorite to win the NBA finals. They lost four to five games. So they lost four to one. What happens when the great vaunted historic Boston Celtics lose a playoff series when one of their better players, Jalen Brown, was out for the year? Jason Tatum had to score 50. Kemba Walker is not even a shadow of what he used to be. Well, head's got to roll. Do you know why? Because when you're the Boston Celtics, you have no choice, right? So what do you do when you've got Pete Buttigieg? What's the guy's name who ran for president? He's now in the cabinet. Is it Pete Buttigieg? Buttigieg. He's the head coach on his off days of the Boston Celtics. But he goes by Brad Stevens. Turns out that Brad Stevens is finito, and they're calling it a transition. And I like that. I like that word. We're going to transition him. We're going to kick him upstairs. That's what it really is called. 
We need a new voice. Have you ever listened to what NBA coaches say when they mic them during timeouts? It's not exactly a Mensa convention. Hey, we're gonna, we gotta get loose balls, guys. We gotta work. I want you to work hard. We gotta get to every loose ball. We gotta defend. I wanna move the ball. Let's move the ball. Go, go, go. Meanwhile, <clears throat> no players are listening. They don't care. They're drinking Gatorade. But then when the team loses, it's because the coach has lost the clubhouse or the manager's lost the clubhouse. That's fine. I'm totally good with that. So Brad Stevens is transitioning to become the head of basketball operations. I think someone has that job, though. What's going to happen to Danny Ainge? Danny Ainge, the former baseball player, former basketball player, world champion. He's been running the Celtics since, I don't know, 2003. People remember how long that's, that is ago. Boy, that didn't sound right. Edit that out, Coca. Or you're not recording anyway, so what's the difference? 69 four. Danny Ainge has been there since 2003 with Boston. You know how long ago that is because that's the last time the Marlins won the World Series. People going to college right now were born the year the Marlins last won the World Series. He did win a championship, which was really sweet of him back in 08. I think that's the last time that uh, Ben Roethlisberger won a, World, won a, won a Super Bowl, but we're going to get to him in a minute. So the Celtics are making changes. Think it's going to matter? that he's gonna resign as team president? Do you think he really wanted to resign because he wants to spend more time with his family? Do you think he really wanted to resign because he couldn't stand the heat in the kitchen with the one slice of Kraft American singlets? He wanted better lettuce? He's resigning because he was about to be fired because the owner, Wick, that's his name, of the Celtics, they gotta win. They're the Celtics. So Brad Stevens will start making more decisions. They're going to find a new head coach. And guess what? They're still not going to be as good as three teams minimum in the Eastern Conference next year. Good luck, Boston. You know, players are funny, aren't they? Players really don't have an interest when they're not playing well at giving you back your money. When you sign a player to a guaranteed deal and they're making $5 million a year, and they play like absolute horse crap. And you go to them, and I've done this, and say, hey, is there any way you want to refund me for the fact you just gave up eight runs and two innings? Would you like to give back a million dollars of your contract because you're hitting 210? Players don't do that. They do the other thing. They say, hey, I'm hitting 330. I got 35 bombs. I know I'm signed to $5 million. I want 10. Give me 20. I want to renegotiate. Screw that. I'm not renegotiating any contracts. Never did. Never, ever. With a capital N which rhymes with trouble. So what happens in the NFL when a player says, you know what? I love you, Pittsburgh. I really do. I'm going to take less money. Will you ask me to answer that question? You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's from a movie called Half-Baked, if you're new to Nothing Personal, which so many of you are every day. I am, I am awed, and I am thankful. I really am. Now, of course, I don't think Sonos cared. That's right, Coke. I'm going to bring it up again. Today's Wednesday. This episode's not brought to you by Sonos. I don't know why it's not, but it's not. By the way, Coca, we're recording so late that CBS Sports HQ is calling because something must have happened. So I'm, I have to get this. 
I'm currently recording nothing personal, Randy, because Coca didn't record the first time. So now I have to re-record it. So I call you when we're done with the show. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> yeah, Coca, the statute of limitations on this is at least a week. At least. So players never give you money back. They just don't do that, right? But sometimes players have no choice. So you want to talk to Samson, Half-Baked. You guys are new listeners. Thank you. That's a movie where everyone wants to talk to the character named Samson. You want to talk to me? Get on Twitter. David P. Samson. Hit follow. It matters. I would have free Sonos equipment if more people hit follow. Get into the DMs, and I'll answer a question. I can't get to everyone, but I get to many of them. We really do. Here was the question. Ben Roethlisberger says he took a pay cut of $5 million and it was his idea. Is that possible? Thank you for asking me that question. G-M-A-F-B. Bleep. At the end of last season, Ben Roethlisberger, who won two Super Bowls, I think he won one in 2004 and one in 2008, something like that. He's been good. He's not good anymore. He's not Tom Brady. He's just old. And he had a great start to last season. It may have been last season. Maybe it was two seasons ago. I didn't look at it in between the non-recorded show and this show, Coca. But I believe that they started like 11-0, and then they lost a bunch of their games, and they lost in the playoffs, whatever. He had an injury. He's had off-the-field problems, major, major, like criminal off-the-field issues. But he is associated with the Steelers. So they have a GM when the season ended, he was part of a guaranteed contract where he already got his guaranteed money, and he was due to make $41 million next season. And their GM said, as we sit here today, this is after the season, Ben is a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He reiterated that to us, he reiterated to us, he wants to continue to play. And we told him, quite frankly, we have to look at the current situation. With Ben's current cap number, some adjustment will have to be made. Can I translate that for you? We're releasing him unless he agrees to take less money. And if he agrees to take less money and spread out the cap hit, then we'll welcome him back. But if he stinks, we better have a plan B because we got to win here at in Pittsburgh because we're a winning franchise. Well, Ben Roethlisberger decided that he was going to take charge of the narrative. He wanted to get the credit for being so magnanimous with his gesture. When asked about taking a pay cut, he said, it was my idea. I told them I want to help the team out however we can. So I went to them and told them that I would do whatever I could to help the team sign the guys that were going to help us win football teams. In order to do that, to get guys here, I feel it's necessary to do that. Horse hockey. Do you know how many players have ever come to me and said, you know what? I want to sign with you. I'm a free agent. I want to sign with you. But I really want to make sure that you have enough money to pay my friends or to pay other people to come to the team. Just like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Chris Bosh did. They all took less money so they could play together. So that must happen all the time. Yeah. That's exactly what happened with the Heat is those players all took less money in their careers to play together. Okay. Thanks for that. The total number of players who voluntarily take pay cuts for the betterment of their team and the acquisition of other players is zero. The total number of players who are asked to take pay cuts because short of that, they're going to be released or they're told if you don't take a pay cut, we're gonna surround you by sneezy 
sleepy and dopey and goofy, that number is a bit higher. And then the total number of players who, once they take the pay cut, get the ability to go public and say, hey, that was my idea. That's a hundo. You know better, Ben. You know better because people are watching Nothing Personal now. People are on the YouTube channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. I'm not going to be like Lebetard and go on Twitter and say, you better subscribe to the Nothing Personal YouTube channel right now. But I'd like to say that. It's called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Just hit subscribe. You can do it. And then follow on Spotify, rate and review on Apple, and then tell your friends about the fun we have twice a day. There's only one thing I like doing twice a day, Coca. We have a lot to get to, actually. I don't even know how much time we have. I lost track. We're recording at a totally different time. I didn't write down when we're done, when we're not done. We have so many things to cover, but we do have to take a break. We're going to review a show, and I'm going to mention the name Sharon Stone, and I'm going to mention the name Catherine Zeta-Jones, and I'm going to mention the name Kathleen Turner, and maybe even Oscar winner Alan Arkin. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for making it through that gauntlet of commercials and drops and reads. It's important for retention purposes that you listen to the end of this show because I've got something to tell you that's going on in Atlanta that will knock your knickers off. But first, I get to watch a movie every day. I get to watch TV shows every day. I get to deduct the cost of my streaming services because it's just business. But I do love doing it. I can't believe I get paid to watch TV. How awesome is that? A show came out called The Comiskey Method. The Kaminsky Method had its third and final season drop on Friday. I was so super excited. It stars Catherine Zeta-Jones's husband, Kirk Douglas's son, who, by the way, now looks like Kirk Douglas. It stars Adam Arkin's father named Alan Arkin, who is in The In-Laws with Peter Falk. Serpentine, Serpentine, 
If you haven't seen that movie, not the redo, the original in-laws from the 70s, you should watch it. It's one of the funniest movies ever. He won an Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine. He's brilliant. They play two old guys who are best friends. One's an agent, one's an acting coach. And it is a story about what it is to be old and funny and realize that you're not just in the back nine, but if you're hoping to shoot par, you better get a hole in one on 16, 17, and 18, or else you're in trouble. Kathleen Turner's in it. Remember her? Have you ever heard of Jewel of the Nile or Romancing the Stone or War of the Roses? War of the Roses is the movie I took my girlfriend to the night before I asked her to marry me. Not really an ideal movie to go to when you're about to get married. But one of my favorite movies with Danny DeVito about divorce and how divorce works. Turns out they weren't wrong. So the Kaminsky Method goes into the final season and they give it a proper goodbye. It's six episodes, like 25 minutes an episode. Paul Reiser for Mad About You. I'm mad about you, babe. That's Belinda Carlisle, who's not in this. He plays an older boyfriend of Michael Douglas's daughter. It's just a great show. But don't watch season three first because it builds to a crescendo and then it gives them the proper goodbye. I like it when shows don't get canceled. I like it when they know when it's going to be the last season, like Shit's Creek. And then season six, the last season, can be just the best season ever. Season three of Kaminsky Method, if you've watched seasons one and two, is extraordinarily special. The Kaminsky Method. I didn't look at my phone one time through six episodes. How are things going in Utah? You know, I, I, we talked about it yesterday, didn't we? We talked about fan behavior. We've talked about Westbrook. We've definitely talked about what happened with uh, John Morant and John Morant's family when they were playing in Utah. They were heckled terribly. Hints of racism, shocking there'd be racism in Utah. Went to Utah, great place to ski, one of those beautiful states in the country. You just can't find a black person. It's not as bad as Boston, though. And so, and I'm not offending anyone in Boston or Utah. I'm just giving you facts. So John Morant's family goes to the game. John Morant's family gets heckled. Fans get thrown out and then kicked out. Yesterday, I gave you a top five list of things I would do to stop this bad fan behavior. My number one, if you haven't listened to the episode, please do. Pause me right now and listen to yesterday's episode. But the number one, spoiler alert, the number one thing you cannot do when you are trying to provide a safe atmosphere for your fans and for your players is you can't arrest somebody who rushes the court or heckles or throws things or is rude or wrong without putting them in jail. Put them in jail. Give them a craft singlet and a crumpled piece of bread. And let's see how badly they behave going forward. And the one thing you shouldn't give them is soap on a rope. So in Utah, the owner was despondent. There's a new owner. His name is Kevin Smith. That is not his name, Coca. Kevin Smith is the director of Chasing Amy and Clerks and Mallrats. The name is Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith bought the team from Larry Miller's family. Larry Miller died. Family had a fight. Family had a sell. Yada, yada. Ryan Smith owns the team. And Ryan Smith said, I've got a great idea. I'm going to turn this frown upside down. I'm going to tweet out to the Moran family. I'm not going to call them, but I could get the number. I'm going to tweet it. To the Memphis Grizzlies and the Moran family, we are embarrassed and sorry. 
the Utah Jazz have zero tolerance for offensive behavior. Really? Zero tolerance? Hmm. That's true. It's the first episode that's ever happened in Utah. My bad. True. They have zero tolerance. We are committed to creating a respectful, competitive environment. Why is competitive in your tweet, Ryan? What does competitive have to do with it? Don't we want to create an environment where players can play and fans can watch and you can boo and you can scream and you can cheer? You can say you stink, but you can't be racist. And what does that have to do with being competitive? And in return for the behavior of these terrible fans, I'm going to give the Morant family lodging, a car service, and seats. And I laughed. Do you know as part of the collective bargaining agreement in basketball that road teams get seats for road t- for the players' families? And they get a section called the family section. But Ryan Smith said, I'll see your family section and I'll raise you a courtside seat. I want the Morants to sit courtside. The mother said, forget it. I'm too anxious. I'm staying in Memphis. Courtside seats, that must be costing them money. They must be kicking out season ticket holders. Can you imagine that call? Hi, I know you're a season ticket holder. I know you're excited about game five of the Grizzly of the Grizzly series where we can close them out and make it to the second round and not have a disappointing season having been the number one seed. And I know that you love sitting so close, but guess what? We need to give your tickets to Jaws family. Nah, that's not how it happens, actually. The way it happens is that every stadium and every arena keeps really good seats as quote unquote house seats. It's like when you go to a hotel and they you say they say they're sold out. There's always a room. Here's the line you should use if you want to get a hotel room. If President Biden showed up at this hotel right now and needed a room, would there be a room available? The answer is yes. There's always a room available. It works at restaurants too. Oh no, we're sold out. We have no tables. Horse hockey. We're up. No reservations. Open tables closed. If President Biden came and said, I want to have dinner at your restaurant, or let's just say a celebrity like Christy Brinkley or Elle McPherson or Carol Alt or Kathy Ireland or Paulina Poroskova, if they came in and said, I'd like a table, would they get a table? So give me my table. So there's courtside seats that are always available. They hold them as house seats. They give them to celebrities because they want them on TV, because they want everyone to think it's super cool to go to a jazz game or a Nick game. Some celebrities pay in their season ticket holders like Spike Lee or Jack Nicholson. Others come in for free. So Ryan Smith said, I'm going to take care of all of the bad behavior of our fan base, and I'm going to let the Moran sit courtside. But then he realized, uh-oh, we have a new owner. That's a problem. Did you know that Dwayne Wade is a new owner of the Utah Jazz? Dwayne Wade, who wanted to buy a piece of the Miami Heat, and he couldn't do it because Mickey Harrison wanted too much money for it. So Dwayne Wade, out of nowhere, ends up as a minority owner of the Utah Jazz because of his great relationship with the new owner, Ryan Smith, because they play golf one day, whatever, because maybe there's outside business interests that Dwayne Wade will be allowed to invest in and make another bit of a fortune in addition to owning a team. Forget it. That's not all I'm saying. I'm saying that Dwayne Wade is now an owner. Dwayne Wade had to respond, and he did. Dwayne Wade sent a tweet. He was just very disappointed, very upset. He said, if we turn our backs on this kind of behavior, we're all a part of the problem. This will not be tolerated. 
apologies once again to Ja and his family. I'm not sure Dwayne realizes the fact that all owners turn their back on a problem until it becomes public. We just talked about it earlier in the show, didn't we? You think that Dave Caval, the owner of the, the president of the A's, really wants to comment on the slice of craft singlets that the minor leaguers are being paid, played, paid, told to eat? No, but social media forced him to respond. Social media forced Dwayne Wade to say, we turn our backs, we can't turn our backs. We're a part of the problem. We're all a part of the problem, you know why? Because if it weren't for social media, cell phones and constant video, we wouldn't care. <sighs> we'll see how the Utah game goes. I'm not picking them tonight though in the nothing personal pick of the day. You know what, ha <clears throat> what happened yesterday, Coco? I'm getting tired of this extra inning rule. I really am. We are 76 and 52. We are still 24 games over. You're welcome, Yankee fans. You are welcome. I picked against the Yankees. They sat Stanton. They sat Labor Torres. They're having Domingo Herman pitch. He's going against Tyler Glass now. The Rays had won 15 of 16. It's a give me game. And it was going great until extra innings came and the Yankees had a walk off and the Yankees won and we lost. But I'm sticking to baseball because I'm pissed and I want to win. And the reason I'm sticking to baseball is that there's a game tonight. I'm a little tired of all of everybody thinking that I have something against Derek Jeter or something against the Marlins or I don't root for the Marlins. It's not true. I want the Marlins to win as many games as possible. They've put together a great pitching staff. They're having a hard time hitting. They've got some injuries. Five days ago, I picked the Marlins and the Marlins lost, but I'm not giving up. They've got Pablo Lopez going. Pablo Lopez is a... Uh, pitcher for the Marlins. They're playing against the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have been playing very well. Vladimir Guerrero, I think he's now leading the league in home runs. They're playing in Buffalo again. I don't know if you saw that. The Canadian border is still closed. They were playing in Dunedin, but then the weather in Florida is so ridiculously hot that they weren't going to play in Dunedin. So now they're playing their home games in Buffalo. Someone asked me on Twitter, Coca, another So You Want to Talk to Samson, are they ever going to get back to Canada? Ever's a long time. That's what I was always told by my mother. Never's a long time. Are you ever going to let me go out again after you caught me sneaking out and going to bars at three in the morning? Well, you're punished for this weekend, but not forever. I don't think they're going to play in Buffalo forever, but the Canadian border has to open at some point. But meanwhile, the Blue Jays are again playing behind the eight ball. Their president, Mark Shapiro, already said they're at a competitive disadvantage, but they're playing well. And they've got this guy pitching tonight who is Matthew Coca's best friend. You didn't know Matthew Coca knew Manoa, did you? Manoa is a pitcher who was drafted 11th in 2019. He went to West Virginia. He and Coca were roommates, and Coca actually taught him how to pitch, which is very amazing because Coca obviously is not a major league pitcher. Coca's biggest talent is knowing how to press record to do a goddamn show. I actually don't even know if this has been recorded. Manoa had his debut five days ago. He gave up no runs. For whatever reason that is unbeknownst to me, the Blue Jays are going to be over-favored over the Marlins. Lopez is a better pitcher than Manoa. We are going to take the Marlins. Are we good with that? 76 and 52 is our record. We lost last night with the Yankees beating the Rays. 
but tonight we are going back to the Pablo Lopez well, because if at first you don't succeed, then chase. Wait to see. Wait to see is a concept. You're wondering, how am I at the wait to see with 10 minutes left? Because I got a story about this wait to see that you're not going to believe. Wait to see is when we talk about things that are going to happen. We keep track on a spreadsheet that Coca sometimes deletes and then has to be recreated. Every show we've done, I think this is the 382nd regular episode of Nothing Personal, not counting the sit-downs or the mailbag episode, which, by the way, the mailbag episode is going to come later on in June. And I bet you can all figure out why. <laughs> Do you think they can, Coca? Yeah, I'm going to be gone for a few days. So we're going to have mailbag episodes and maybe some sit-downs. Is that okay? Sheesh. So we revisit the wait to sees. And the reason why we have a wait to see is that we want to differentiate ourselves from the gas bags in the sports media industry who tell you something's going to happen. When it doesn't happen, they pretend they didn't say it wasn't going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. And then they forget about it. You forget about it. And they think that they're really good and smart, even though they're talking about things they know nothing about. Not me. I'm going to revisit it. Well, today's wait to see is about a lawsuit. You know, I went to law school and I'm a lawyer. I think it's good for Shakespeare was right, I think, right? A thousand, what, do you, what do you call a thousand lawyers at the bottom of the sea? A good start? You've heard that joke? Because people get upset with lawyers because they come up with frivolous lawsuits all the time. I spent 14 minutes of my life yesterday that I'm never going to get back. There's not one thing I can do, no matter how spoiled, privileged, powerful I am, I will never get 14 minutes back. The 14 minutes is what I spent reading the complaint. Now, I didn't go to a top five law school, right? I didn't go to Yale. I didn't go to Stanford, Harvard, Columbia, Chicago. I went to Cardozo. I think they're a top 50 or top 30 law school. But I took torts and property and civil procedure and criminal procedure. Elements was a class I took with Professor John Hanks with Professor Eva Hanks, who was married to Professor John Hanks at the time, who was my contracts teacher. I took the bar, passed it. So I know how to read a lawsuit and I know how to evaluate a lawsuit. And I know how to decide because I've been sued so many times, not personally, but actually sometimes personally, but not having anything to do with anything other than my job in baseball. That I can tell you when a lawsuit is absolute horse hockey but this is one of the greatest. Do you remember when Georgia passed their voting rights bill and everyone was up in arms? We did it. We did a story about it, that MLB has an all-star game coming up in the middle of next month, middle of July in Atlanta. And Rob Manford, in consultation with the Players Union, moved the all-star game out of Atlanta into Denver. And they didn't know they were going to move it to Denver when they took it out of Atlanta and they had all these cities saying, we'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. But every state that wanted it had a city where their voting rights were just as bad, just as repressive. So Rob Manford pulls the game out of Atlanta. And I told you why here on Nothing Personal. The reason is that the players said to him, we're not going. And if players don't show up to the All-Star Game or the Home Run Derby, guess who gets unhappy? Broadcast partners corporate sponsors. So Rob Manford said, we got no choice. We're pulling it. And people went crazy. The Atlanta Braves got upset. 
They said, this is an outrage. Well, guess who else got upset? Small businesses. Because do you know the All-Star Game is responsible, wait for it, for $100 million of economic impact? Yeah, right. I could commission a study right now to tell you the All-Star Game is $100 million of impact. I could also commission a study that tells you the All-Star Game is $0 of impact. There's no way to really know. But the small businesses were DBR, despondent beyond repair. And the reason they were despondent is that they were counting on this business. They were counting on the All-Star Game. Forget the fact that Jeff Bezos is alive and that small businesses in general are totally screwed. They felt especially violated because they had been preparing for years since 2017 when Truist Park opened. They were preparing to get the All-Star Game. They were preparing to upsell everybody, increase their prices at restaurants and small tchotchke shops. And they felt they've been wronged. So they found a lawyer in New York to write a 21-page lawsuit against Rob Manford, the commissioner, against Tony Clark, the executive director of the Players Union, and various other entities for $100 million. Now, who's the plaintiff here? Ever heard of Job Creators Network? I hadn't either. Job Creators Network is a not-for-profit corporation. They're nonpartisan. Yeah, whatever. Their mission is to educate employers and employees of Main Street America in order to protect the 85 million people who depend on the success of small business. Job Creators Network provides its members with the tools to become the voice of free enterprise in the media, in Congress, in state capitals, in their communities, and their workplaces, allowing them to hold policymakers and politicians accountable to job creators and their employees. When Job Creators Network members suffer injury due to bad public policy, JCN amplifies their stories in the media to educate policymakers and the public about the significant consequences of bad public policy in an attempt to rectify it. What a mouthful of crap. It's not that I'm anti-small business. I'm just telling you how the world is. Yeah, you run a small mom and pop bookstore? Sorry. I'm going on Amazon. You have a small hardware store, tool store. Sorry, that was a good business. It's called Home Depot. So during the course of this lawsuit, they spend multiple pages describing the Georgia voting rights bill and explaining why Rob Manford got it wrong and it's not actually suppress suppressing any voters' rights. And the reason why that made me laugh is they're supposed to be a nonpartisan network. But when they need to be partisan in order to file a lawsuit, which has the same chance of winning as me releasing the first show that I recorded this morning, zero. The reason why this lawsuit can't win is that Rob Manford, when he had the right to pull the Atlanta all-Star game. Do you know who decides where the All-Star games are, by the way? Yeah, baseball does. Do you know that cities bid to get All-Star games and when they don't get it, they can't sue because they didn't get the contract. And then when they do get the contract, but something happens, it's also in the contract that MLB can say, you know what? No All-Star game. Sorry, folks. Parks, parks closed. The moose should have told you outside. 
I love when I can work John Candy into a show. Sort of makes me happy. The standing that you have to file a lawsuit because an all-star game got taken away, it could get taken away because Rob Manford's plane and his pilot said, you know what? I don't like the weather in Georgia in July. Let's go to Colorado because I want to visit a shop. For medicine purposes only, of course. Tony Clark and Rob Manford can agree to move the all-star game because they have a stomach ache and they don't feel like eating chicken wings. And the right that you have to sue, that's part of the problem actually in our country. You have the total right to do whatever you want. You can sue anytime you want. But the way lawsuits work is that you file a complaint and anybody can file a complaint as long as they're a member of good standing, meaning they've passed the bar and they've paid their dues. You write big words, you write a bunch of sentences, try to confuse people, and you try to make people feel badly that they've been hurt by the man. That big business has crushed their dreams, has cost them money. But the problem is you then have to go to court. And then in court, you have to explain exactly what your injury is and why that injury, you should be compensated for it. So you come up with a bunch of counts, emotional distress, tortious interference with the right to make money, blah, 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 21 pages worth. And they're hoping for a settlement. There won't be a settlement here, Coca. Not at all. Do you know what'll happen? MLB, <laughs> Rob Manford, by the way, couldn't care less about this lawsuit. <laughs> the way this works is Rob Manford gets a piece of paper that has a 21 page document on it that is a lawsuit, calls up his counsel's office. The general counsel doesn't look at it. It's the people who work for the people who work for the general counsel. They read it. They then go to the general counsel and say, we're good. General counsel goes to Rob and says, we're good. Everyone's good. We're fine. They call Tony. Can you believe this? Yeah, we got to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement. But wait a minute. We got this big lawsuit by the Job Creators Network. I'm scared. They're going to write a response and they are actually going to ask for, I assume, something called summary judgment, which means before a jury can be convened, you go to a judge and say, excuse me, Mr. Judge or Miss Judge or they judge, this lawsuit is absolute bullcrap. They don't have a legal leg to stand on. Could you please tell them to go bye-bye? Now, of course, they may want to settle, take a little money, if I'm Rod Manford, I don't give them one penny, not even a nickel, a quarter, nada. Here's the wait to see. And I want to give it to you exactly as I have it. The Atlanta small business lawsuit will get dismissed, not settled. You wait to see. It's just business. Sorry, small businesses of Atlanta. This is nothing personal.